All right. Oh, here we are. Samuel and Monique on sound digressions. Every day, not every day, every not so week, all the time, whenever we get a chance. Here we are. Oh, Zoom thinks. Oh, that's what? really funny. Zoom just saw, sent me a message and asked if I was playing music. <laughs> like, <laughs> no, girl. <laughs> that's what you think music is. We've got you don't know. a long night. You got nothing. Then we've got a long night ahead of us. <laughs> we have a lot to learn, Zoom. A lot to mm-hmm. learn. Mm-hmm. Um, well, Samuel, episode yeah. five. Episode five. I'm really happy that we're back here again. Me too. Um, I feel like we should start with a couple of updates. Yeah, that's a great idea. A lot of things have happened in the world related to what we've talked about before, and we should cover that, maybe. Why not? A little bit, yeah. sometimes. That's the reality. Let's do it. So, first of all, um, there's a new volcano exploding in Iceland. Yes, there is. And the name of it is... I think. Something like that. My sincerest apologies to all Icelandic speakers. (laughs) Sorry, Iceland. I am sorry. Uh, But yeah, it followed, uh, the eruption followed a series of earthquakes. They were on volcano watch. Right. And uh, Mm -hmm. what is it, about 40 kilometers outside of Reykjavik? Something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Yeah, there were something like, I don't know, over... 40,000 like micro earthquakes over the span of like a month and a half. And Iceland's got the shakes. Yeah. And they thought that it was, um, that it might, that an explosion might not happen because the, the earthquakes had actually, the, the number of earthquakes had diminished uh, right before the eruption finally happened. So there's a nice new lava flow that you can, yeah, you can watch on the news. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. And I mean, fortunately, no one was hurt, as nope. far as I understood. Nope. Nobody was hurt in Reykjavik, because, of course, Reykjavik is, I believe, the most, well, the biggest city in Iceland. The only city, probably. <laughs> the population's tiny. It's like, less than a mi- really it's like less than a million people. Very small population. Yeah. It might be um, 20,000 people, maybe. I'm kidding. Yeah, That's, but... like, extremely low. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Few more than that, definitely. <laughs> Yeah. My sincerest apologies <laughs> to Iceland. We Again. know nothing about geography, pronunciation, an, or... An open letter to Iceland. <laughs> I apologize. Sincerely, Monique. I Best. apologize for nothing. I'll pronounce no. things however I want. Take that. Speak oh. English, damn it. <laughs> um... Yeah, so that's exciting, following yeah. up on our earthquake. Uh, no, sorry. Uh, well, no, I did do a digression on earthquakes last time. Mm-hmm. We were talking about volcanoes. Right, though, right, right. And so that's... It came up, yeah, when we were talking about D.B. Cooper, the mm-hmm. p- the possibility that uh, Mount St. Helens eruption covered up a lot of evidence was brought mm-hmm. up as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you made that A point. lot of volcano, volcano content. Yeah. VC. Yeah. And actually, Iceland's an interesting segue into our topic for today via some other things. But I don't know if I'm ready to go there just yet because I'm really curious because I feel like you've got more, Samuel. Yeah. I feel like there's more that you'd well, like to bring us in on as updates here. Uh, I feel like the, the only other update that I wanted to bring up, because maybe it wasn't clear last time, when we first talked about volcanoes... We mentioned uh, Werner Herzog's film and how they went to North Korea. And we talked a little bit about Kim Jong-un at some point. I can't remember which episode. And that was, I think, the volcano episode as well. It might have been yeah. the volcano episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, like, it makes the most sense. But I just wanted to clarify, in case it wasn't clear uh, to our listeners, that yes, I am a big supporter of the North Korean regime. Just wanted to say that. Just wanted to, like... Not leave that ambiguous, not leave it hanging, you know, just make my political allegiances clear. And you know, Samuel, sometimes I have a hard time telling if you're joking or not. And I had a moment where I thought, like, my entire body tensed up. Mm-hmm. And I just thought, oh, good lord, how do I deal with this? I am so nervous, like, almost like just on the, on the brink of breaking into a cold sweat. But also, 
Okay. I mean, if you're a communist, that's not a problem for me. Thank you. <laughs> I just want to say that I'm a very, uh, I have a very open mind. <laughs> if you're when that type of When it comes to authoritarian regimes, Monique <laughs> has a very open mind. <laughs> I, I am not going to jump to judgment. <laughs> but that would... I, I, I think we'd have to have a bit of a conversation about that if you were... Well, but gladly yeah. cleared that up. <laughs> Anybody who dared to listen to us more than a ha- 0.5 times is going to be really happy. <laughs> that a clarification has been made. Oh, okay, well then... <laughs> Oh, okay. Well, okay. Yes. Oh. Oh. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Oh. Now they know where where we're coming from. Well, at least me, not where I'm coming from. Yeah. Nobody knows where I'm coming from. <laughs> Nobody. Uh, <laughs> so, Monique, what do we have? Anyways. Chief. Chief. Teeth chatter. Um. Um. Well. Let's go back to Iceland for a moment sure. and think about 1972, Samuel. Huh? Are you what talking you about, about the 1972 famous chess competition between Bobby Fischer and Spassky, I think it was. Boris Spassky Boris and Bobby Spassky. Fischer. Yes, Samuel, I am talking about that. 1972, <laughs> the year where chess became an international sensation. Well, I mean, from a, I think, a North American... Well, it American became known lens. to the North American public, yeah. Became known to the North American public. In other parts of the world, chess was very well known as very much celebrated and yeah. honored. Yeah. Uh, much more so than it was in North America. But in that year, Boris Spassky and Bobby Fischer were brought together... Hmm. The two to best play players in the world at that time. Two best players in the world to play a like a crazy match of matches. Yeah, duel to the chess. death. Yeah, <laughs> practically. Oh God, and yeah, but we're not talking about the well-known Bobby Fischer today, are we? We're not we talking, about talking about Bobby Fischer or Iceland or Boris Spassky. And no, no, no. I mean, like that event created a wave of interest in chess that hadn't been there before. Yes. Yes. And that which brings us this nice tie-in to like the more recent wave of interest in chess that was created by the release of the very, very successful yet terrible TV show, The Queen's Gambit. On Did you Netflix. gotta judge it? You gotta judge it already. I gotta judge it right away. I gotta judge I don't wanna make the mistake I made like when I mentioned North Korea. I want people to know where I stand right away. Right on the money. Yeah, I agree. Terrible show. Watched every second of it. I watched all of totally it, too. Yeah. Enthralled. It was uh, easy to watch. Absolute yeah. total garbage. Uh, Garbaggio. As they like never explain precisely how chess works. Mm-mm. You know, like the, the tournament competitions... Um, the way the tournaments are structured, it's not just like you win a match and you advance. Some, like a lot of the times you're like doing round robins, you know, so you have like six or ten, you know, great players uh, and they play each other twice and then you add up the points at the end. So like, the whole point system that like exists in chess never made it into the series. It seemed like too complicated, you know. Yeah. Um, I, f- I found it hilarious, just hilarious like that the only bad thing about orphanages that happens in the show is that they give kids sedatives. And I mean, like, don't get me wrong, I love a good downer, <laughs> but that was But it's overkill. just like there, there was just like there you know, like the history of like child abuse in orphanages is well documented and long and Horrific. yet uh, in this orphanages, or the, this particular orphanage, it was just kind of like you know there was there was this aura that something bad was happening there, but we never saw it except for like the downers. Yeah, except Which for the downers. The main character enjoyed intensely. Yeah, and became extremely addicted to for the yeah. rest of her life. Also, uh, mm-hmm. the bit about learning chess through the janitor who just hung out in the basement. I mean, <laughs> I have my own issues with that, but like. 
oh, I'm so curious to go down to this basement yeah. and hang out here with this man alone. Yeah. Because oh. I'm a weird kid. Oh. I'm just a lonely weird. child. I'm so sorry. But yeah. no, don't go into that basement. But then she learned chess and she made a lot of money. Yeah. I feel like I'm okay with like, um, with playing with that trope. of like, You know, you need your parents to die in order to become a hero in a story. You know, that happens all the time. Uh, lots of heroes lose their parents uh, when they're kids. Um, mm. uh, but, but yeah, I don't know. I feel like there's a lot of... Uh, there was a lot of weird stuff about the show that uh, and its presentation of chess, its presentation of what uh, a tortured genius was supposed to be like and stuff. Sure. Yeah, um, that's a good point. Mm-hmm. And I feel like this also uh, annoyed me intensely... Um, the show annoyed me intensely because we have a very compelling story of a woman chess player in our hands that it is much more interesting uh, without having, maybe maybe from like a narrative point of view, it's not as clean or uplifting or whatever. I don't know. Uh, but we have the story of uh, our subject today, who is... Judith Polgar, uh, Hungarian grandmaster. Grandmaster chess player, badass Judith Polgar, who is a chess prodigy and has a super interesting history. Um, Amazing person. Yeah. And she was born in 23rd of July in 1976 in Budapest and started playing from the age of like four or five. Very young, um, very young. She started very parents, young because... Uh, yeah. Go ahead. Oh, sorry. A bit of a Zoom lag there, so I couldn't tell. I didn't want to interrupt you. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Laszlo Polgar and his wife... Um, Clara. Judith's parents, Clara, uh, Clara Polgar. So uh, Judith has uh, two sisters, so there's three children in the family. Mm-hmm. And Laszlo and Clara being the very curious and hyper-intelligent parents that they were, uh, wanted to basically start an experiment to prove the uh, effects of nurture over nature with their kids. Yeah. So they actually homeschooled their children, which proved quite problematic for them. Which was very uh, unheard of at the time, too, in, in Hungary. Completely. Yeah. Especially because of the socialist regime mm-hmm. was really looked down upon. Um, yeah, and they taught the kids at home with many different subjects, mm-hmm. but with a specialization in chess. Right. Laszlo himself is a, a chess master, mm-hmm. and he wanted to prove that if you taught a child a skill before the age of three, I believe, mm-hmm. and you taught them intensely in a focused way, that they could become a child genius. That right. they would become expert yeah. in that skill. So his skill that they were, that Clara and Laszlo were both uh, practicing with, was the game of chess. Mm-hmm. And I believe their names are Susan as one of the other yeah. sisters, and, and Sophia. Sophia, thank you, yeah. as well as Judith. And they're both older and than than Judith. Yeah. So exactly. Judith was the youngest. From a very young age, uh, Judith grew up watching her whole family being interested in chess. So she actually was encouraged, was eager to try out the game even before they started teaching her. Uh, I remember as a kid wanting to emulate my sister, and I must, yeah, it's normal for kids to want, you know, look up to their older siblings and want to like do what they're doing. So Judith really plunged into the game of chess earlier than uh, her two sisters had. Yeah, because she had them as mentors, right? She had them as uh, as people she could look up to right away. Yeah. Exactly. And she was playing, I mean, grandmasters as a small kid. Yeah. Grandmasters being grandmasters of chess. Yeah. And even her sisters, when they were playing um, with their tutors, because the parents actually uh, like hired grandmaster chess players and mm-hmm. like experts to teach their kids to help with their training mm-hmm. and their tutelage. One thing, another benefit of like having two sisters, uh, two older sisters who play chess for Judith is that by the time she was ready to enter tournament play, around like 
I, I can't remember precisely when she started. Um, but I wrote down that she had like a, ra- a ranking of 2080 by the time she was nine years old. That's crazy. Um, so like the best chess player in the world right now, Magnus Carlsen, he's got a rating of like uh, 2,835 or something like that. Uh, maybe a bit higher than that. Maybe it's like 2,865. Um, and you really, you're considered a master, I think, at 2,000. Uh, someone like me, who's like a very amateur, has never studied chess, plays just for fun. I have a rating of about 1,500. And that's just like really, it's the same as if you had learned. Anyway, I guess, whatever. It's not very high. Uh <laughs> She has, yeah, she she was already, like, at a grandmaster level by the time she was nine years old. Um, and she also never played on women's only tournaments. That's right, which is super important. So her eldest sister, Susan, had a lot of difficulties getting into men's tournaments. Uh, and she had, like, a very difficult battle. Her parents as well, well her parents and her had a very difficult battle with... <clears throat> the Hungarian Chess Federation. Uh, and there was a lot of like efforts made on the part of uh, Judith's parents to get her into tournaments where she wasn't uh, only playing women. So all her sister's struggles and all of Susan's and Sophia's struggles paved the way for Judith to never compete in women's tournaments. She always competed in men's tournaments. Um... And this was part of like her father's philosophy that women were not um, were just as capable as men uh, when it came to intellectual endeavors, uh, yeah, like chess. Which at the time was very forward thinking of him. Mm-hmm. Thank goodness. Yeah. Um, but that just encouraged the uh, encouraged all of them yeah. to go so far with their careers and become true masters. And Judith, I mean. She even, she has, as a child, she beat masters in chess. Um, Um, But let's back up for a moment, mm -hmm. because how are the points actually done? Because I'll be totally honest here. I've never, I tried playing chess one time when I was 12, Mm -hmm. and didn't go so well. And I've always been curious about the game, but I've never, I've never played since. It's very, very simple. Um, So let's say um, there are four players. And you do a round robin of like two games with each player each. So you'll play a total of uh, six games. Because you, you know, you if you're one player, you'll play the other three twice each, right? So the maximum points you can get is six. Because for every win, you get one point, And for every loss, you get zero. And if you draw, a draw is a very common outcome in chess, you get half. Mm-hmm. So you'll see like the your end score after like the round robin be like, Three and a half slash two and a half. And that just means you won three games and drew one and then lost two. And, you know, and then there's the half from the uh, from that same draw that's there. I mean, like, it could also be possible. I mean, there's, there's like different combinations, right? Because if you have three draws, that's one and a half, right? Um, it's very, very common that you'll play the same opponent multiple times. Uh, and when it comes to, like, I'm... Um, uh, a match like uh, uh, Bobby Fischer versus Boris Spassky. If I'm remembering correctly, they played 28 games. Ah, oh, no, no, no. I'm, I'm remembering something different. I'm remembering something different. Uh, this was um, Judith Polgar versus Nigel Short, a British champion. Mm-hmm. They played 28 games. Uh, mm-hmm. And the final score, she beat him, I think, 17 and a half to 10 and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think the, the big game with Boris Spassky and Bobby Fischer actually ended early mm-hmm. because Boris forfeited, no? I don't know if you use that word at chess, but... Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They only played a few games he and then... surrendered. Capitulated. <laughs> surrendered. Um, yeah? Yeah. Anyway, that's it. It's very simple. If you win, you get a full point. If you have a draw, you get half. So then how do you get up to 2,000 or even 1,500? Oh, well, that, that's different. That's different. That's your ranking. And that's ah. like way, way more complicated. Uh, I was going to say. There's a particular type of ranking... In which you're judged, uh, you gain and lose points depending on your opponent. So if I have a rating of like 1,500 and you have a rating of 1,700, uh, you're expected to beat me, 
right? Because your your would be like 200 higher. So if I happen to win, I will like take a lot of your points and then add them to mine. Oh, interesting. Sort of but just like if you won, marbles. If you won, because you're already because because you're expected to win, right? You take just a few points from me. So your rating wouldn't go down as much as No, mine no. Would. I mean like me losing to a better player, my rating doesn't go down very much. If uh, a high rank player loses to a low rank player, they lose a lot of points, right? So curious. Yeah. So the history of chess is I mean so interesting and fascinating because didn't it originate from a game called Chaturanga in India? I have no idea. I didn't look into Back the in into the history the of middle chess. Middle Ages or something yeah. very very old. <laughs> I believe as far as I understand it was originally a four player game mm-hmm. with dice and one board. Mm. So there were different pieces on the board. It and... used to just be Uno and then it slowly slowly over the ages developed into chess. <laughs> And apparently it um, developed over um, time through merchants um, traveling across the Silk Road, actually, Mm -hmm. um, going from one place to another. Mm -hmm. And just over centuries became more and more refined and formalized because, you know, people who are on the road have Mm -hmm. a bit of time on their hands in the evenings or so. And apparently, um, the rules of chess became more formalized um, in Spain and Italy. Hmm. But, I mean, on a basic level, it's a very old game. And, yeah, it's fascinating. And it's actually a game of war. It's a battle of wits. Yeah. It's based on uh, different pieces that fight each other. Yeah. Um, there's a king, a queen, bishops, pawns. Yeah. yeah, basically, it's a game of like you have to kill your opponent's king. That's yeah. what you're going for. Yeah. And the queen, <clears throat> pardon me, the queen has the most power. No. Yeah, it's the it's the piece that can with the most free range on the board. Uh, they can travel the farthest, on, and they can travel on both diagonals and uh, rows and files as well. So. Yeah, so they can emulate the movements of almost any other piece. Almost, not quite, sort of. Yeah, sort of a little bit. Sort of a little bit. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. Sort of a little. They're powerful. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I feel like they're one other aspect that like of the TV show that kind of bothered me, and you know, like to come back to it because because I feel like yeah, yeah. I was just gonna say. <laughs> <laughs> Again, you know, it bothers me because it, of how it relates to the story of a. Uh, of Judith Polgar, um, like the sexism uh, oh God. that she yeah. suffered. I mean, and, and Judith was actually asked about the TV show and her response to it was like, they would have never been that nice to me. Crazy. Um, I mean, God, like, isn't that awful? The, the whole kind of like mystique that grew around Judith Polgar when she was like a um, teenage player, you know, uh, from like the time she was like nine to like twenty, uh, it was all these men like totally mortified of losing to a little girl. Yeah. Uh, and you know, and, and there was this this like um, being emasculated essentially. That's how they viewed it. You know, they 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 could not view her as simply another opponent. There was this other layer. It's like they that they couldn't lose to a girl. Exactly. Uh, Absolutely. There are so many things written about what people said about her, to her, yeah. uh, just horrible ways that she was treated. I mean, Gary Kasparov, so, so sexist. who was the, um, the world champion for a long time, like, he said some terrible things about her. He would, he stormed out of, like, the first time she beat him, she did beat him once, um, she did it in a very, very clever way. Um, he was... Particular to play in a particular opening. Uh, and she used that very same opening against him. So she mm. imitated his style of play and played against him. <laughs> and he lost. So you know, like in, in a sense, you know, he's like, she, she forced him to play against himself. That's amazing. And, and he couldn't, and, and he stormed out. Like, after he lost, he went out through an exit reserved only for players. So, like, media couldn't follow him. <laughs> Nobody else could follow him, right? Yeah. Uh, I feel like... cry crybaby. Yeah, he was... He, uh, 
male fragility, you know, was like in full display there. Like he just couldn't hack it. Not, I think she was 24 at the time, maybe. I can't remember. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But she was still quite young and he was like a much older guy, like very well. Okay. Like his, his place in history is cemented. Like he, he, amazing player, top of the rankings for ages and stuff. But uh, absolutely no uh, ability to cope with losing to a woman. Oh, God. So embarrassing for him. And he has no... Uh, there, mean, there's a number of quotes where he's, he says, like, really dumb shit, too. Um, so awful. Why, did I pull out a couple? There we go. <laughs> Women, by na- by their nature, are not exceptional chess players. They are not great fighters. <laughs> and he would just say shit like this. All, yeah, he's got a few more. I'm not going to read them, but... <laughs> Crap. Well, and the fascinating thing is that Judith is known for her aggressive chess style. Yes. She apparently is a super intimidating person to sit across from when you're playing a game against her. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's described as having these piercing eyes yeah. and uh, really like goes for the gut, you know, does yeah. not nobody stands in her way. She's looking for an um, advantage at every step. Yeah. This is one I mean, to 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 say one small nice thing about Gary Kasparov, uh, Kasparov. I think that's a. I think the pronunciation is Kasparov. Um, sounds good to me. He did come around at the end. Uh, he did eventually like show some respect to to Judith Polgar, and he also uh, he also said something along the lines of like, if playing like a girl means playing like Judith, then it means playing like aggressively and like relentless pressure because that that was like really her style that's that's uh um yeah which i he think he finally is also got a, the point yeah he finally got it eventually uh but she was, yeah took him a little while <laughs> <laughs> took him a little a, a few bruises a few bruises to get there yeah um, i mean what a fascinating person and i mean you know so she is really a, a chess prodigy yeah um, mm-hmm. And what really sets her apart from other chess prodigies throughout history, of which there have been many, mm-hmm. um, so many of them, I mean, if not most of them, all started as children, very mm-hmm. young, uh, and become became successful at young ages. But Judith's difference relied on one big thing. Mm-hmm. In my eyes, she had a stable family. She had stable parents, yeah, a family unit, yeah, and because I mean they say that there are umpteenth possibilities of things you can or ways you can play a chess match as a non-chess player, chess, 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 chess player. Don't know what accent that is. Put that one on the docket. Anyway. Ah, where was I going with that? No, there are just there are just so many possibilities. The sheer number of ways. Okay, there's a certain number of ways that you can open a game, mm-hmm. and then from there, there's so many different possibilities that you can, because of the squares on the board, because of the different pieces and the way that the pieces move, there the possibilities are right, right. the permutations close to yes, the permutations are close to endless, yeah. close, not yeah. quite. And for that reason, I mean, you're constantly thinking about strategy. Mm-hmm. You're constantly thinking about what your opponent is thinking. Mm-hmm. It's not just a battle of this, like, playing this game of, um, you know, war. If right. I, I don't know if I really like that word. But anyways, but battling someone in that way. It's also a battle of wits, and it's a complete psychological mind fuck. Mm-hmm. So, for that reason, anybody who becomes a... Well, they say that prodigies or geniuses, I'll put that in little air quotes mm-hmm. maybe, uh, anybody who becomes like this expert in something, one of the qualities that is particular to geniuses, uh, these people who are highly skilled in one area is that there is a mild obsession mm-hmm. with that skill mm-hmm. with learning more about it gaining more information practicing and practicing and practicing becoming so hyper focused you know those horse blinders of mm-hmm. just there in that space and because of that many people over history 
have totally lost their minds, yeah. have had huge psychological problems, have suffered from neuroses mm-hmm. of different sorts. Um, many people have lost their lives or taken their lives because they have really had so many problems. They've had so many issues. This reminds me. This reminds me a little bit uh, of like anyway, because I was uh, of reading some quotes from Judith herself, because um, she also did say some sexist things, uh, which she didn't realize. She were, has. Yeah, I mean, like as a teenager, uh, <laughs> she said things. You know, people would ask her all the time. It's like because because she was such a prodigy. She actually uh, set a new record for like being the youngest. Uh, grandmaster at the time. So I think Bobby Fisher had become grandmaster at 15 years old and four months or five months, and she did it like one month earlier, one month exactly. younger. Right? She was slightly younger than him. And so she would get bombarded with questions all the time about, like, why are you better than all the other girls? And she would say things like, well, all the other girls are not taking chess as seriously as I am. You know? Yes! <laughs> I, they're busy with the homemaking or whatever or you know they want yeah, to get she made a lot of comments about like oh they're too busy cooking and baking and doing housework yeah excuse me they don't take it seriously like me i practice yeah. six to eight hours a day uh, i treat it which like a, okay yeah no one's gonna discount her on how much she practiced back then or still does mm-hmm. uh but yeah to say that other female identified people <laughs> who are too busy with the cooking and the chasing around boys <laughs> i don't know if she said that but at limit oh yeah um, yeah no but i mean you can read between the lines it's definitely <laughs> but in that way i mean so being such a young genius in that way she what she had that many other child prodigies didn't was this safe family unit that she had the stability basically yeah i feel like this and the is, encouragement from her parents yeah not only is she like um changing stereotypes about like what a genius is but uh, yeah i mean like what a what a who a chess player is you know a lot of people didn't think a woman could be a uh top-ranked chess player and she's also changing like ideas of like what a genius is because you know it's not I feel like the, the the male chess players often, not always, but often, have this kind of like aura of like uh, flamboyant intelligence about them. And Gary Kasparov was like a very uh, excellent example of that. Uh, he was very emotional during his games. He showed, you know, he had a lot of bravado, a lot, lots of like uh, facial gestures as he was playing. Like, um, oh, uh, 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 I mean, like the current world champion, <laughs> Magnus Carlsen, uh, he was like, a, he's he's a model as well, you know, and uh, so they have like this, and, you know, Boris Spassky and like the other like famous Russians, like Kar- uh, Karpov and uh, who was the other one? Anyway, it doesn't matter. But, but they all have like this kind of like very masculine, very kind of uh, out, uh, you know, super attention grabbing personalities to them. Uh, uh-huh. Whereas Judith, I feel like I look at photos of her, and if you told me this woman is a stay-at-home mom with a small baking business that she runs out of her kitchen, you'd be like, yeah, that seems totally like problem. Like she's so unassuming. Um, she is very unassuming, and I think that's what is so admirable about her. Mm-hmm. In a way, um, she has this humbleness about her. I don't know if she's necessarily a humble person because she does play a game that is very win-oriented. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't think anybody who plays chess, well, competitively, mm-hmm. is playing it just for the fun of it. I yeah. think most people are playing it for prize money and prestige and but I think things like that. She's this. showing that you can have like a very... Uh, competitive uh drive without um necessitating that kind of like more flamboyant kind of personality about it being Uh, ostentatious right 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 right. for sure yeah and i mean her parents i mean they're i mean within reason i'd be curious to read more about like laszlo and she's a very stable genius yeah very stable genius, but also, I mean, their experiment proved very stable genius. <laughs> I just realized what you said, but their experiment proved uh, proved right. I mean, I mean, it's hard to say because Laszlo Polgar 
was also a chess expert himself. Mm-hmm. I mean, what if the parents had taught them something that neither of them were experts in and they were just reading from books? Right. But, I mean, they set the entire house up. They had games, famous chess games, uh, the different of different boards, different images on the wall. Mm-hmm. There was chess books everywhere. They yeah. turned their entire part of their small living space. Like the whole family space. was dedicated to chess. Completely chess-obsessed. Like, yeah. And, so, I mean, like, and anyway, like, it's also, you know, she must have had some means. Their hair family must have had some means already because they were traveling... Sure. Uh, for chess tournaments all around the world at a very early age exactly. as well, right? Yeah. So it wasn't like mm-hmm. uh, it, it's not a rags to riches story. It's a kind of like um, yeah, a very st- strong showing of uh, how nurturing uh, can have like a dominant role in how your life develops. Exactly. Yeah. And I mean, to this day, there are still, unfortunately, very unfortunately, much less female-identified chess players. Mm-hmm than male. Yeah, there was a lot fewer. I think um I I haven't I think the I sent you an article about it, right? About like um yeah. women chess players Very versus male chess players and how mm-hmm. and the article in the article there's a scientist from oh I can't remember which university. Um, um I think he's he's from the Netherlands. Yeah. And mm-hmm. basically uh he was trying to answer the question it's like why are women players uh why are there not as many women players in the top ranks? as there are male ones. And he showed through statistics how it's really not a matter of... It's a, it's, it's a simple matter of numbers. The fact that there's so many fewer women participants means there's going to be fewer at the top. Uh, but if you draw a curve of like the, the whole population of female players and the range that they cover, uh, it looks very, very similar to the way that male players distribute in terms of like their rankings. Uh, and the article also did another interesting thing. It's like they would take the the bulk of chess players and remove a random set that was equivalent to the number of women players and then match it up against the bigger set. And you basically will get the same kind of statistical curve every time, uh, basically showing that, yeah, the the... the, the the fact that there are so many fewer women players is the sole reason why there are no more, not more uh, women at the top. It's just exactly. It's a ba- very basic it's, numbers game. Yeah, it's so simple, and yet people try to make these incredibly sexist arguments yeah. about why men are or male chess players are inherently better than women. Like, yeah. oh god, it's horrible. <laughs> yeah. It's really yeah, and I mean that's partly why the next Netflix series, um, partly why in a way, despite its horrendous severe nature, limitations <laughs> and horrendous um, flaws, yes, <laughs> horrendous flaws. Partly why it's actually in a way I don't know what's the word helpful, interesting. Right? Yeah. yeah no, I'm I, trying to think of a very diplomatic. <laughs> But in a way, yeah, like portraying a female chess player right. and being very successful at it. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah, and I feel like yeah, it's 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 funny to uh, just go back to something you you mentioned earlier. How there's a whole generation of girls who were of girls women women chess players who were influenced by Judith Polgar and her sisters and emulated that yeah. style of like very aggressive chess play. Uh, yeah, anyway, and uh, I think she's 44 right now. So she's, mm-hmm. uh, she retired from professional, from competitive play in 2014. Yeah, and quite early, actually, at yeah. the top of her career. Yeah, she was uh, still, I think, over 2,700. Her ranking was still over 2,700 when she retired. And um, she became the head coach for the men's Hungarian team. Uh, Which is amazing. Yeah, it was like the first time uh, that had ever happened. Yeah. Which is so important. It, she is absolutely the person who should be yeah. coaching that and she's team. A, yeah, mean. she's a chess educa- edu- educator. Uh, she has multiple children's books on chess that yeah, her sister has actually illustrated. Uh, she's got like so tons of videos. Uh Showing you how to play the Sicilian defense, which was one of her signature <laughs> openings. Uh, 
Yeah, it's very cool. I mean, she's definitely, it's so interesting the way that she's found this arc in her career to find something that's sustainable. Because I think, and I think that's really inspiring to see someone who can pivot and to make things work for them, you know, and especially for someone who has that intellect and those uh, highly skilled abilities to Mm -hmm. be able to make that long lasting. Yeah. Because you see so many people, you know, it happens all the time in the media where you see someone who is so good at something and at the top of their career and whatever it is that they're doing, and they have this fall from grace. Right. They somehow something happens Mm -hmm. and they just plummet and it's, Often it's either heartbreaking or devastating or whatever it is, but yeah, she's just keep on keeping on. Yeah, I mean, which is fantastic. How inspiring is that? It's just amazing. She was a top ranked woman player from like, uh, when was it? 1989? About 20 years or so. 25 years, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, 1989 to uh, 2014 when she retired. Exactly. Uh, yeah. And she's the only Amazing. woman player to ever be ranked at, uh, in the top 10 in the world. Uh, so she was number eight a couple of times. Uh, it's incredible. She's such a talented person, and I'm yeah. really happy that you suggested the topic. And I mean, in comparison to Bobby Fischer, who. Total my good maniac. God. Like, he's, Total he, maniac. He's the other example, right? You know, like of, of the broken genius. Yes. Exactly. Uh, the complete opposite end of the spectrum. Mm-hmm. Um, ended up getting into some cults, uh, different ones. Yeah. Uh, of course, he was, you he know, was he wasn't allowed back in the States. For a while. That's right. Mm-hmm. He wasn't allowed back in the States uh, because uh, they wanted to arrest him because he agreed to go play a game in the Yugoslavia. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. During which time. Yeah, Yugoslavia was in the in the middle of war, uh, and he still went basically just because he wanted probably the money. Ugh. Yeah, yeah. And couldn't come back. Ended up in Japan. Was arrested in Japan, mm. and then managed to, to get his way back to Hungary. No, you know where? <laughs> well, he, he did stop in Hungary. Yeah. He actually went. Yeah, he, while well, he was in Yugoslavia. I thought that was where you're going. That he actually oh, stayed no. with the Polgars for a bit. Yeah. Yeah, he stayed with the Polgars, and you know, he played with the sisters, yeah. the Polgar sisters, um, particularly against Judith as well, and apparently they wanted to arrange a game between Bobby Fischer and Judith Polgar while he was there, Yeah. and you know what, Samuel, did you know that he refused in the end? Yeah. Because he said, oh no, I won't. They're, They're Jews. Jewish. Yeah. yeah. He's a fucking anti-Semite. He's half Jewish himself. Yes, he is Jewish. Both his parents are Jewish. Oh, my God. I thought he was only half. Yeah. He's fully... Okay, wow. Yeah. But, yeah, he became a raging anti-Semite. Raging anti-Semite. And you know where he ended up after he was arrested in Tokyo? What? Where? Guess where. Which... Okay. I was going to say, which volcano? (laughs) (laughs) Exactly, which volcano? He went back to the, the... the the place of volcanoes yeah. which we were talking about he ended up in Reykjavik he ended up back in wow. Iceland yeah. because his it's kind of a convoluted story but part of it is that his bodyguard that he met in Reykjavik mm-hmm. during in 1972 mm-hmm. sorry I'm pointing at you no one can see that but I'm That's like okay. doing a lot of pointing it, right it. now <laughs> in 1972 when he was there to play Boris Basky he <laughs> Had a bodyguard there in in Reykjavik, a local person, mm-hmm. and I can't remember the person's name. But anyways, they became friends, and I don't know how they kept in touch, but somehow Bobby still had his number. Yeah. And when he was arrested in Tokyo, somehow Bobby got in touch huh. with his ex-bodyguard from 1972 Whoa. in Iceland. And somehow the bodyguard arranged for Sponsored Bobby Fischer him. to go to... Well, in a way, they he got... Bobby Fischer to make his way to the Icelandic um, embassy mm-hmm. in Tokyo. Mm-hmm. And they gave him, what's the word for it? Asylum? Um, somehow, yeah. Wow. And he made his way. They gave him, they ended up giving him an honorary Icelandic passport. Wow. And yeah. bringing him over to Iceland. And that's where he spent the last years of his life. Yeah. Being a completely raging, lunatic, yeah. anti-Semite. Yeah. Going on yeah. and on. He was a complete, like, conspiracy theorist. Did you ever watch that movie called Searching for Bobby Fischer? 
Uh, I don't know if I watched Searching for Bobby Fischer, but I did watch um, The World Against Bobby Fischer. Oh, yeah. That's a documentary, no? Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. That's where they talk about the bodyguard. Anyways. Huh, um, huh, huh. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, look at Judith Polgar. Where is she? She has not only, a family. Not she only has did a she come, career. yeah, she came from like a very stable family, supportive sister, supportive parents, and then she built her own like very supportive family for her, herself. She married a vet veterinarian. She has two kids uh, whose names I can't remember. Uh, <laughs> what you can't remember their names? Oliver I'm and Hannah. Um, oh. <laughs> Touche. Touche. Yeah, and interestingly enough, she still lives in Hungary. I believe she's still based in Budapest. Yeah, and she's... Uh, yeah, she teaches yeah. chess. Yeah. Her parents and her sisters, actually, they have all emigrated to North America. A few of them live in Canada, and one of them lives in the States, I mm-hmm. think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and mm-hmm. it's so important to talk about her, as opposed to Bobby Antisemite Fisher. <laughs> That's the moral of the story, everybody. That's the moral of the story. Yeah. It's important to talk (laughs) about her instead of Bobby Fischer. I mean, anyway, uh, Bobby Fischer is still interesting. I I feel like that I I have like a soft spot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Soft spot for him still, despite, I mean, like, despite like his very grave flaws. The same thing with uh, Gary Kasparov. I still, I feel like he's still a very smart guy in many respects, despite his like very dumb shit that he's has said over the years, uh, particularly about women. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I feel like it's also like in contrast to like the, the recent wave of interest in chess, uh, seeing like an actual, somebody's actual story as opposed to this fictionalized uh, adventure uh, is also kind of necessary. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, you know, the, the Queen's Gambit, um, sure. The part of it that kind of, didn't enrage me but also disappointed me a little bit it's like why do we i mean well first of all it's before i talk about the things that made me mad (laughs) it's interesting how how many gimmicks they could come up with no that's tied in actually now that i'm thinking about it no this is what this is what i want to say okay okay go for it go. go for it do it here we go here i go it's interesting how many gimmicks they found to try and make chess exciting i'm sorry i said it that's yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, if it had to include alcoholism, drug addiction, addiction to substances, uh, many different losing strategies. your parents. Yeah. And it also included, as everyone has seen the show. I'm sorry. Should I just spoil it and just do tell it. everybody just do it. how just do she it. she imagines the chess pieces on the ceiling when she's <laughs> high, and they move around, and that's that's the yeah. thing. That's you... how she knows. When she's, she's also really good looking. I feel like that's the other selling. That's the other selling point of the show, right? You know, it's like this beautiful, yeah. tortured genius uh, who happens yep. to play chess. Yeah, <laughs> who happens to play chess? No big deal. Yeah, and really loves I mean, fancy when, clothes. Yeah, which is fine. Oh God! Every time the chess pieces started moving on the ceiling, I was just like, <laughs> groan. <laughs> We're at this again. Oh, Here we and go. I love, I love how the climax is. She can imagine the pieces on the ceiling when she's sober. Whoa! <laughs> dun, dun, dun. That's like Sorry, a, everybody. We ruined the show. That's the skill that she, like 20 years of chess playing leads her to. Being able to imagine the pieces moving when she's sober. <laughs> Instead of showing up to big matches when she's super wasted, waking up in the bathtub with with all her clothes on, with someone wrapping up the door and being like, are you ready, ma'am? And her being like, let me take some more drugs to get steady. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just a little shaky right now. Could you get me a drink? I need some more water. Wink, wink. Yeah. There is, just to go back one last time uh, to like my favorite Quote about from Gary, Gary Kasparov. Yeah. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Uh, <laughs> he said that he recommended that, that everybody learn chess. Uh, and he said that, you know, chess teaches you two very important life lessons. Oh. The first one <laughs> is that there are consequences for your actions. So whatever you move on the board, you'll be responsible for that move. You know, if you lose a game because of a move, it's on you. You're the one who made it. 
And as somebody who plays chess, I feel like a lot of the time I lose games because I made some dumb move. You know, responsibility for your actions. And the second thing, the second lesson, time management. <laughs> it's as simple as that, it's everyone. It's as simple as Gentle that. Gentle listeners. Yeah. Take responsibility for your goddamn actions. Second, manage your time. You got that calendar. Everybody knows you got access to that calendar. And that's what chess will teach you about life. And that's what it's all about. (laughs) Wow. Um, Well, yeah, time management. I mean, if you have those fancy little clocks where you like... Right, right, right. A lot of the games, uh, it's like you have 30 minutes for like the first 30 moves... Uh, and then half an hour for the rest or whatever. You know, like there's, there's various ways that they, they do the time constraints. Uh, blitz games are like five-minute games. Crazy. Uh, like you have to play the full game in five minutes. Yeah. It's like, here's your hat. What's your hurry? Yeah. Uh, oh, actually, the, I'm the in limits a hurry are like, because I have... Sometimes you have like two and a half hours for the full game. Anyway, like there's, there's, uh, there's, there's another thing that, that the TV show doesn't touch on, like how many different types some... of chess you can play. Yeah, that's true. Good point. Some games also go on for days, no? Aren't there historic games that have gone on overnight? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes, yeah, they can, they can, but they do touch on that on the show. Uh, Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Games can last longer than a day. Sometimes, you know, you're, and I, there's one other thing about chess is that you have to, like, when you're playing at the top level, it is a physical, not just a mental, mental game. I mean, like, just having to concentrate for that long, you you better be fit. Your butt must get sore. Your butt's gonna get sore, but you, like use that that much mental exercise will exhaust mm. you. Yeah. If you, I wonder if I wonder if there's like different things you have to eat the <laughs> night before, like you would for a marathon, like, a like marathon. a 25. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure, like a marathon, sure. like carb load the night before, like just eat up, go to a pasta buffet. <laughs> And eat like, or do the Quebecois thing. You, you see know, all the players the cla- at the at the Olive Garden the night before the, the... <laughs> loading up on free breadsticks, um, or the Quebecois thing, pizza and fries. Oh, I thought you were gonna go pizza getty. Yeah. Oh, true, pizza getty, also a thing, also a cab thing. Yeah. I like it. Yeah, I like it. Oh, yeah, carbs. yeah, yeah. Pizza getty and beer. The night before your chess match, that's yeah. another tip. That's a tip of the week. I just decided spontaneously. How to play chess. This Step is one. our tip of the week, everybody. Pizza Step and beer. one, carb, carb load the night before. We recommend pizza and spaghetti or pizza and fries. Yep. Yeah. Uh, secondly, get a chess board. <laughs> Stretch? I don't know. Stretch? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 Anyway. But it's funny too because the there's very little knowledge here where where chess is not like a big deal. Uh, very little knowledge of like how much money there can be in chess games as well. Uh, I think there was one game maybe 20 years ago where uh, Kasparov and another Russian player they demand like the purse was like two million dollars and the winner went away with like 1.3 million what and it's like yeah that much money is like going around in like top tournaments of chess you know no bobby fisher at the end also was arguing about money a lot and wouldn't participate in certain games i mean yeah he was also super volatile and yeah yeah, unpredictable but Yeah. yeah yeah i mean the tv show also touches on that i mean she earns a lot of money playing competitive chess yeah yeah i mean I don't know. I guess I always found that really opaque. Uh, people who made a living with um, playing games of different kinds, like gambling or mm-hmm. being on game shows, or I don't, to but me, it's also it just seems like, really. I can't really imagine it, but it's like anything else with like a with a very elite top tier and a lot of like people at the bottom. Uh, I mean, like you have to like be extremely good to be making any money out of playing chess on a regular basis right i mean it's kind of like being in the audience of the on the price is right and yeah 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 it's only a few of people, you it's only a few oh, of you that are going to go away with that with the right price the lay people are all just sitting in the audience wearing like matching t-shirts depending on which people they came with like in a group <laughs> yeah. or, like ones they printed off <laughs> on the internet on the internet you print t-shirts on the internet well right? actually <laughs> on the price is right which predates the internet yeah certainly does yeah, yeah. 
I have no Certainly idea how then. t-shirts were made before. Yeah, back then, <laughs> in the olden days, before computers were a thing. Old, with an E at the end. <laughs> Ye old t-shirt manufacturing. Ye old limited. t-shirt factory, yeah. <laughs> oh, Samuel. <sighs> shall we, shall we uh, wrap things up? Sure. Um, do we have any other... What other anecdotes do we have? related... Uh, hmm. Yeah, I think that's it. I can't think of anything else that, that I that I have prepared to say about uh, about chess playing. I think uh, if anybody for me, who is also an amateur and or even if you're a professional chess player and you want to play me uh, and you live in Montreal, uh, I'll be happy to meet to meet outdoors with masks. And we, I have a I have a, a set. I have a portable chess set. We can meet up and play. You know, so if anybody, if any of our listeners want to. Uh, no matter what your uh, level of play is, I uh, would be happy to share a chess game. Gentle <laughs> listeners, this is the opportunity of a lifetime. Yeah. Did you just hear that? If everyone didn't understand clearly <laughs> what Samuel already stated, anybody who wants to play a game of chess against a uh, chest, <laughs> chess. A game of chess. <laughs> That's what pirates play. So... <laughs> Pirate Who can buy the chest? <laughs> now everyone's gonna be so confused. Like what chest? I thought I was here to play chess, not chest or chest. Where's where's the oh, finders keepers? Where's, yeah. where's the gold? Where are the necklaces? Where's the, uh, the where containers? Where are jewels? Yeah. Where are them jewels? Oh. Well, anyways, mm-hmm. anybody who gets to play a game of chess with Samuel, you're a very lucky person because <laughs> let me tell you something, Samuel's a fun guy. <laughs> I'll even play a virtual savings. game. Yeah, I'll even play a virtual well, game. Oh, oh now we're God. talking. Now we're talking. We're hmm. just, just things that, are really goes. falling anything into goes. place. Yeah. Anything goes. Everybody, the, the, middle pandemic, of the pandemic is still here. I'm up for anything right now. Yeah. Anything We're to get me anything. away from the dreaded existentialist <laughs> crisis that I'm going through. And on that note, <laughs> let's do thank yous of the week. <laughs> oh my Samuel, god. Oh. During this ex- existential crisis, mm-hmm. who would you like to thank? <laughs> let's do a gratitude exercise, shall we? <laughs> Subtle. Subtle. Um, I guess I'll just give like a small shout out to the government of Alberta for allowing my mom to be vaccinated. She got her first dose of the COVID vaccine already. So, amazing! What's your mom's name again? Anna. Anna, right? Yeah. Hey, Anna, if you're listening, congratulations! I'm so happy that you got your first jab. I hope you get your second job within the correct number of weeks. I hope so, too. Yeah, here's hoping. Here's hoping. And you know what, Anna? You got this. <laughs> I believe in you. So nice. What do you got? Well, Samuel, I would like to thank you, my friend, <laughs> this week. You were the first person that came to mind when I was thinking about who I wanted to Aww. say thank you to this week. Because you have been so understanding... I've been really, really busy the last week, sometimes borderline hot mess, <laughs> and just because there's just so much happening, and I'm a bit overwhelmed mm-hmm. 90% of the time at the moment, and that'll continue for the next weeks, and you've been super understanding and patient, and really made a point of saying, hey, just so you know, it's all good, we got this, Yeah. let's try and make this podcast fun and not stressful. We're doing great. And that's so nice to hear that. I really appreciate <laughs> hearing that. It really made a difference uh-huh. to me. So, so thank sweet. you very much, Samuel. Uh-huh. You're sweet. <laughs> friends, 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 friends. You know what I was thinking about today? Like totally unrelated to anything that we've talked about so far. Go for it. Uh, this morning, one of the first things I read about was uh, about like a new report 
coming from the American or somebody's releasing something something report uh, from the American Army about unidentified aerial phenomena. So for a long time, you know, you, you go from like aliens to Martians to uh, UFOs. The new nomenclature is UAP. WAP. WAP. <laughs> it WAP. sounds a lot like WAP. WAP. I'm not going to argue with that. I don't know. I wouldn't argue necessarily because yeah. I'm not an argumentative person, as you know. But I'm into it. I think... If we can, instead of aliens, instead of UFOs, we just start talking about WAP. I'm okay you with know, it. You know, Samuel. I'm okay with the army I'm also change. okay with it. <laughs> I think there's a lot of WAP in our futures. Just going to say it. Just going to leave that there. If this report is any indication, we're going to be learning a lot about WAP real quick. WAP, 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 WAP. <laughs> Here's hoping. <laughs> I mean, anything can happen. Yes. Last weekend was daylight savings for you. Yeah. This next when weekend is, for is daylight when savings re- for me. Next weekend, okay, okay. This coming okay. weekend, yeah. So it'll be six hours I don't know, apart G- again? Is that how it goes? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Germany is always one week before or after. I don't oh, know spring why forward. they do okay. it. Yeah, got it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Spring forward, fall back. Yeah. Spring forward, fall back. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. If you made it to the end yes. of this show... Uh, we really appreciate you. Yeah, Thanks we've so had like for holding on. So much, so many listeners. Uh, we have yeah, actually. It's incredible. We really have. How many people have like yeah. listened to it, checked us out? Uh, yeah. We hope to like continue delivering content you guys want to listen to. And thanks so much for your support. Yeah. Thank you. Woo. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.